Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. I'd like to go back about 12 years ago. I was visiting my mother with my new bride, Lori, and we were going where you always go when you go somewhere for a visit. We stopped at the local Walmart uh, to get some things. And as we were going through the store, Lori and I as a newlywed couple, we went near the toy section, and I will never forget this scene that happened. There was a mother and her little son. I'm assuming he must have been about seven or eight and they were near, at that time, Power Rangers were very popular. And they were at looking at the Power Ranger figures. And this little guy was saying, I want a Power Ranger! I want a Power Ranger! And he was just going on and on and on. And mom's, the mom said, no, we're not going to get one today. We, we, you really shouldn't have one. We're not going to get one right now. And he says, I want a Power Ranger! And he throws himself on the floor. And I want a Power Ranger! And, you know, and she's like, no, Jim, we need to go on. We need to do, we've got other things we've got to do. We've got to get home. Dad's coming home soon. We can't, we can't get you the Power Ranger. And okay. So then she finally says, okay, you can have one. He says, I want two Power Rangers! She gave him two. Now you're sitting there, you're thinking, what a dumb mother. Does she not know what she's getting herself into? You know, as you think about that story, you and I are like little Jimmy. Because when it comes to God, we want him to do as that mother did. And just give us whatever we want. We want God to just allow us to live any way we want to live now because we've been saved. And so for many Christians, the whole concept of the judgment of God is a foreign concept. It's like, what do you mean the judgment of God? I'm saved. I'm okay. Heaven's gates are waiting for me. I can do what I want to do. And remember last week we looked at that whole issue of the incorrect thinking that we are governed by in which we think that we can do what we want to do. I can just be forgiven of my sin. You're saying, what are you talking about, George? We are looking at a series that we're going to be spending the next few weeks on concerning the judgment of God's imperfect people. And the reality of the fact That you and I, even though if we are trusted in Jesus Christ, if we are saved individuals, you and I are going to face a judgment before God. Now, it's not a judgment unto damnation. It's not a judgment where you're going to go to hell. So everybody understands that. But the reality is, is that you and I are going to face and are facing a judgment even now concerning how we live our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, that judgment is in two phases. So we're going to spend two weeks looking at the first phase of the judgment, which is how God judges us presently. 
And then we'll spend two weeks looking at how God will judge us in the future when we stand before him. So today, what we're going to look at is the whole issue of God disciplining his children. How many of you have ever been taken to the woodshed? Figuratively. Do you know God takes you to the woodshed? You might be shocked by that. But the Bible tells us very distinctly that God, as a loving Father, takes His children to the woodshed. So notice what the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 4 of chapter 12. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Should we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? For they indeed for their for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We're going to look at several different things about the fact of the matter is, is that whether you realize it or not, you and I, as God's children, are going to be judged. And that judgment is taking place now, and that judgment will take place later. With reference to now, it takes place in the form of God disciplining, or as the Bible calls it, chastening us as his children. So let's look at a few things from this passage to help us to understand how God judges us now concerning the sin in our lives. The first thing, in verse 4, we see that there is a reality. And if we're going to discuss the issue of chastening, we need to first of all discuss the reality. And the reality that we see in verse 4 is this. Notice what it says. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Two things we see from this verse, and I hope you to understand it. The first one is this. Christians struggle with sin. Christians struggle with sin. Let me explain something to you. The Bible nowhere ever gives the assumption that you and I are going to be perfect in the way that we live our lives. The assumption throughout the scripture is is that you and I are going to sin. Does everybody understand that? So if you see somebody who says they're a Christian and they're holier than thou and they think they're perfect, they're lying. But the reality is is that all of us as Christians, myself included, are going to sin. The reality is is that as believers, we are going to struggle with sin. Period. Does you understand that? You're going to struggle with sin to the day you draw your last breath. Whether it is a physical act of sin, whether it's an attitude of sin, whether it's a heart issue, you're going to sin. Does everybody understand that? We need to make sure that we comprehend the reality. You are going to sin. 
you're going to do wrong. And so the reality that we see there is is that Christians struggle with sin. The next thing I want you to see is, is the struggle is intense. The struggle is intense. You and I are in a battle with ourselves. Notice how the writer of Hebrews says, he says there in verse 4 that it's you have not yet resisted to bloodshed. He's talking about the intensity of the battle that you and I have with the sin in our lives. Ever notice that what you want to do, what you don't want to do, you end up doing? How many, t- how many times you convince yourself not to do it, you do it? That which you want to do, you don't do? The Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. That intense struggle within us against the issue of sin. Let me just stop for a moment. Because some of us, sometimes we think, well, I must not be a good Christian because I'm really struggling with this stuff in my life. Let me just go ahead and set you free right now. You're normal. You're not unique. Every one of us here battles with sins in our lives. Does everybody understand that? Now, the issues that each of us may struggle with are different. For some it might be an attitude. For some of it, for some it might be that you're bitter towards someone. For some it might be an issue of anger. For others it might be an issue of lust or whatever. But the fact is, is that all of us are in an intense battle, an intense struggle with sin. Do we understand the reality of that? And that's the way we live our lives. And see, and that's got to help you to understand that there is a judgment that you and I are facing right now because of it. Usually when we think in terms of judgment, let me ask you something. Do you think of it in terms of a positive thing or a negative thing? Negative. Because usually when you think in terms of judgment, you've maybe got a picture of you before the judge with a speeding ticket. And you're hoping he'll be merciful. Some of you say, I've never had that experience. Okay, the police officer who's getting ready to write you out the ticket. That's a form of judgment. So we think in terms of a negative connotation. But when we think in terms of what the Bible talks about the judgment of God, while there is a negative sense to it, it's always for the positive. So notice now the nature of God's discipline as we look at verses 5 through 8. As we look at the nature of God's judgment, the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us something in verse 5. And notice what he says. And you have forgotten the exhortation. What is he saying here? We tend to forget about God's discipline. We tend to forget about God's discipline. That's our tendency. Because we're in this battle for sin, and also because we have maybe this incorrect thinking in our minds that, well, I, you know, if I do this, I'm okay, I'll be forgiven. In fact, some of us sin with a presumption. We will sin in terms of, well, I can always ask for forgiveness later. We have this concept to forget that God may discipline us with the sin in our lives. It's not on the forefront of our mind. And we tend to forget about the discipline of God. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Because we, we don't forget about the forgiveness of God, right? In fact, we may even have some wrong thinking about the forgiveness of God, but our tendency is to not think in terms of the fact that he may discipline us for this stuff in our lives. So let's continue on then. So then as we get down, notice what he says then as he continues on in verse 5. He says, My sons, do not despise 
the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Let me give you a reality. The reality is this. If you are a child of God, you will be disciplined by him. If you are a child of God, you're going to be taken to the woodshed. So what does that mean? Which is the next point here. We should not despise or be discouraged by it. We should not despise or be discouraged by it. You shouldn't despise it. You shouldn't be discouraged by it. But rather recognize that God is taking you and trying to mold your character and trying to deal with issues in your life. He's trying to help you with the struggles in your life. You and I need to think in terms of our loving Heavenly Father who is going to help us with the issues in our lives. And so if he takes us to the woodshed about something in our lives, we shouldn't despise it and say, oh, I can't believe he's doing that to me. Nor should we be discouraged by it. But we need to recognize it for what it is. And that is that we should not be despised or discouraged by it. Why? Because he then tells us, look at verse 6. He tells us why it takes place. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. What's he trying to tell us here? Discipline is a result of God's love. Discipline is a result of God's love because he loves you. Let me just stop for a moment. Henry Blackaby says this. When you're going through a hard time and a struggle, before you blame the devil and say it's spiritual warfare, that the enemy is after you and he's attacking you, could it possibly be that it's God disciplining you because of something in your life? You see the point? See, our tendency is to think of God as like that mother at Walmart. That if we cry hard enough, if we stomp our feet hard enough, He's going to give us what we want. And our comprehension is is that it's a God who never says no. It's a God who wouldn't possibly dare correct me for the stuff that's in my life, the sinful stuff in my life. He'll just overlook it and forgive it. And that's our concept of God. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And so it blows our mind to think that possibly God might allow hard times and difficulties and struggles in our lives to get our attention concerning how we're living right now. See, that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. Is that because he loves us so much, he's not going to let us just go and do our own thing and maybe face the consequences of that later on down the road. He's going to discipline us to help us in our life. Let me ask you a question. All of you, a lot of you have children here. Why do you discipline your children? It's not because you get some kind of sadistic pleasure out of doing it. But rather, now they may think you do. But the reality is that's not why you're doing it. When you discipline them, whether it takes a form of a privilege being taken away or maybe if it's corporal punishment of some sort or whatever, the reason why you are doing it is because you're recognizing in their life that there is a behavior taking place that is wrong, negative, and will result in a character flaw later on in their life. And when you discipline them, and when you have disciplined your children, 
Some of you have long passed on that and you're thinking, oh goodness, I'm glad that's over. But as you are disciplining them, you are thinking in terms of molding their character and helping them to become the adult that they need to be later on down the road. And if you don't deal with that behavior now, it's only going to get worse later. Can you relate to me? Yes. See, God is the same way, except God is the Heavenly Father, and when He looks at our lives, because of the love that He has for us, if He sees behavior, sin, that is destructive, and let's be honest, all sin is destructive to us. All sin ultimately results in death, the Bible says. And as He sees that, He's going to bring into our lives hard times, issues, to help us to deal with those issues that we're struggling with. And why does He do it? Because He loves us. He loves us. He cares for you. Listen, you and I have to understand that when the Scripture talks about that there are certain things that the behaviors that He is telling you to stay away from, don't get involved in, don't do those things, when He tells us these things, He is telling us these things not because He wants to be a cosmic killjoy and ruin your life and keep you from happiness and keep you from feeling good and keep you from having a good time. He's telling you those things because He wants to keep you from what will result from that activity and that's heartache, grief, and pain later on. So He sets up those boundaries. And when we cross those boundaries, the result is the discipline of God. The result is a discipline of God. But you know, we're like this little girl. There was, a little, there was a daddy out in the front yard mowing the yard and his little girl was with him, his little two-year-old girl, and he said, don't go near the sidewalk. And he set the parameter of the sidewalk because beyond the sidewalk was the road and he did not want her to go on the sidewalk. Don't touch the sidewalk, he said to her. And as he was mowing the yard and he's doing the mower thing with his push mower, he noticed his little girl... She was wanting to be obedient to her daddy and not touch the sidewalk, but he noticed that what she was doing was is she was taking her little toes and trying to see how close she could get to the sidewalk without touching it. We're like that little girl. But you and I know that when you try that, you always what? You touch. And you know, the Heavenly Father sets those boundaries for you and I in our life. And he says, don't. And when we do, he disciplines. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. And so, we see that discipline is a result of God's love. Now, the question is, how do we respond to it? Notice what verse 8 says. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Verse 8 gives us this perspective. Our response reflects our relationship. Our response reflects our relationship. You want to know where someone is in their relationship with God? Notice how they react to discipline in their life. Notice how they react to hardship in their life. Notice how they react to difficult times in their life because it may be that the difficult times reflect the discipline of God. Here's what they will do. They will resent God if they are not in a right relationship with Him. They will react towards God if they're not in a right relationship with Him. They'll say things like this. Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? 
All of that reflects where they're at in their relationship with him. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us here. Is that as God disciplines me out of his love, my reaction towards the discipline reflects where I'm at in my relationship with him. You know, you and, you and I see the same thing every day as we discipline our children. Their reaction to discipline, whether they submit to it or whether they rebel against it, reflects where they're at in their relationship with you and I. Is that not true? And it's the same thing in the way that we react to God's disciplining hand in our life reflects where we're at. So now he gives us an encouragement. You say, boy, I'm glad he does because that was pretty heavy. Well, listen to what he says. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Should we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For in they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A couple of things I want you to see as an encouragement here. We should submit to God's discipline. You need to submit to it. I said, I thought you were going to be encouraging, George. That's the encouragement. If you are sensing that God is disciplining you and bringing difficult times in your life because of some issue in your life that you're refusing to deal with, then you maybe need to say to him, okay, Lord, I know you're getting my attention and I need you to help me. And you need to submit to it. You know, the choice is up to us. As God brings discipline in our lives as a loving Heavenly Father, the question now is, is what are we going to do with it? As He brings those difficult times in our lives to get our attention concerning the issues and the stuff in our lives, the individual then has to make a decision whether to become bitter or better. The sad thing is, is that many times our response is to become bitter towards God, isn't it? Rather than allowing the correcting hand of God to mold us into the men and women that he wants us to be molded into. Rather than allowing a loving God who knows what's best for us to guide us out of destructive behavior that will only end up hurting us and others around us. Can I tell you about sin? Sin is not your own private little thing. Sin will always not just hurt you, but will always hurt others around you, period. And the loving Heavenly Father knows that. And so when He reaches out in discipline to us, He's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about the others in your life around you. The encouragement is then that we should submit to God's discipline. Why? Because notice what He says. Discipline is for our benefit. Discipline is for our benefit. You and I know that. We get bombarded with messages all the time that we want to just turn off that tell you, have you noticed the billboard, go for a Sunday walk instead of a Sunday drive on the way down the Kerbinsville Highway here? Well, who put that up? Then you read, by the Ad Council and somebody for a healthy living. What are they trying to say? That the discipline of exercise will benefit you health-wise. Discipline has a beneficial factor to it. And what he wants us to see is, is that discipline is for our benefit. 
It's for your well-being that he brings correction into your life. So what are you saying, George? Three things I want you to consider as we conclude our time here, as we look at this first aspect of the judgment of God in your life. Number one, ask yourself this question. And I mean really ask yourself this question. Reflect upon your life right now as you consider this. Are you facing the discipline of God? Are you facing the discipline of God? Don't dismiss it as an attack from the enemy. Don't just dismiss it as whatever, as some other thing or whatever. Is it possible that God may be trying to get your attention concerning something in your life? Is it possible? So you need to ask yourself the question, are you facing the discipline of God right now? You say, what do you mean, George? Well, next week we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 concerning the Lord's table, concerning another aspect of God's present judgment. But one of the things that God even shows there in his word is, is that sometimes the discipline of God may even be health issues. There in that passage he talks about those who are sick. They're sick because of God's chastening hand. So as you examine your life and as you examine the stuff in your life and you examine what's happening to you, you know, maybe there is an aspect of it where maybe it's the chastening hand of God in your life. And God's trying to get your attention. And so maybe you need to ask yourself that question, am I facing the discipline of God? The second question you need to ask yourself is this, and it's just as important as the first one, because once you have the answer to the first one, and if the answer to the first one is yes, then the second question is very important. How are you responding? How are you responding to the discipline of God? How are you responding to it? If God is disciplining you, if He has brought hard times into your life because He's trying to get your attention about something in your life, because there's some behavior or some attitudes that are not right, because there is sin in your life that you're not dealing with, how are you responding? Are you allowing it to make you become a better person? Or are you becoming bitter, angry, resentful? And rather crying out to God for mercy, you cry out to God in anger and say, how dare you do this to me? How are you responding? Finally, the encouragement I would give you is this. Submit and deal with the issue. Submit and deal with the issue. If you recognize that God is chastening you, and I'll be honest with you, it won't take you long to figure it out because you've got the Holy Spirit to communicate to you and tell you this is happening because of this. And you'll know. You don't have to seek counsel from 50 people to say, well, you know, this stuff's happening in my life. Do you think it might be something? You'll know. The Holy Spirit will communicate that to you. And if it is taking place, then the issue is to say, Lord, I know why this is happening. I recognize it is because of this in my life. I submit to you. Help me deal with it. Help me to overcome it. Help me to find victory. Help me to become the person that you want me to be. My friends, recognize that you and I are facing the judgment of God. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.